Everyone, welcome to our first uh, episode of Campaign 3. You know, this is pirate-themed, so I have a one-shot where we we all have to avoid the Wellerman. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to sign you all characters. Julia, you're going to be sugar. Brandon, cool. you're going to be tea. Mm-hmm. And Amanda, you're going to be rum. Nice. And one day, when the tonguing's done, we could take our leave and go. Yeah, That's true. Yeah. And now we're famous on TikTok. We did it. Isn't that song all about how, like, capitalism is bad and mistreats workers? Yeah. Yeah. Aren't all songs, Julia? Well, sometimes. <laughs> Not always. Uh, Brandon, Let's Hear it For The Boy is about hearing it for the boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Raining Men is famously about um, men as a metaphor for money and how everyone should just have money as opposed to working. Like, sure. the government should shower men upon us, is what That's I've always good. said. No, that's pretty good. Listen, Brandon, not every song is the quintessential Dolly Parton 9 to 5, okay? And that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. We can't all have songs that are just so blatantly, obviously critical about the workplace environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jolene is about a bad manager, though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I regret making this joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Amanda, I thought that uh, It's Raining Men is about how you can't have too little unemployment. It's actually bad for the economy. So you're filling all of the jobs by now that there's all this men being rained down? That is actually just a lie perpetrated by Reaganomics, which is actually mm. what Purple Rain is about. Oh, okay. Um, where it is, it is all just a metaphor for Reaganomics. Yeah. Got it. It's Reaganomicsing men. Mm-hmm. It was weird when our GIs came back from World War II singing It's Raining Men and they were as they were kicking the women out of the factories. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was, a, it was an anthem. This simply can't be in the episode. <laughs> American Idiot is about being an American idiot, though. Allentown. <laughs> that's my safe word, guys. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it. good. And the town of Easter Alexa was about a ship in a storm. There you go. <laughs> there it is, which we're going to be actually talking about today because we're doing a world-building, base-building episode. Yay! Woo! Just call me Minecraft Steve, baby. Because you're... Uh, I don't know anything else about Minecraft, Eric. I'm so sorry. No, I thought you were going to say, just call me Minecraft Steve because I'm... Just say, Brandon, because your head's a cube. Say it's because your head's a cube. Because my head's a cube. That's pretty There good. you go. Now I we're thought, famous on TikTok. I thought you were, <laughs> were going to finish the, the couplet there. No, I was just saying, call me, call me Minecraft Steve because I'm oh. ready to base build. No, that's what I was looking for. That's the exact. Oh, that's okay, what I was okay, looking okay, for. Oh God, okay, okay. what's happening? I thought the end was implied. Let's just reverse that. I just wanted sure. you to say it. No, it was good. It was good. The thing you said that was correct. Okay, so what we're playing is we are playing uh, the same game that we did when we started the campaign. Ooh, I've now uh, fully developed that game, and I've called it "This Is What My Camp Is Like," a world building game for small places with big questions. Mm. You can find that in the uh, world building pack, which is. Uh, uh, at the Join the Party merch store called Three Short Games to Build Stories. What's that URL, Eric? Uh, jointhepartypod.com slash merch slash... <laughs> you can filter by digital items. Wow. Yeah, filter by digital items. You can buy all the stuff. You can buy the Monster Mash as well if you need stuff for your Monster of the Week campaign. <laughs> but we're playing this modified version of Dungeons and Dragons that I've put together. Like it was once a dragon, but then I like... Tesselized it, and now it's a crystal dragon, and it that's it, it's a fire type. Tight. Sorry, Eric, I don't recognize any animals except crabs. So can you rework that as a crab for me? Sure. It's like if Dungeons and Dragons, it was a dragon, but then through carcinogenation or that that process where everything becomes a crab through evolution, it turns into a crab. 
<laughs> Everyone was doing crab crab claws the whole time. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, we've run this for a Monster of the Week game, but I think this works as long as you're building a relatively small space that you're starting out in and you want to make sure that that's fleshed out. That's why you use the game. This is what my camp is like. Again, I want to give a special shout out to Caro Assertion who wrote, I'm sorry, did you say street magic? Which is a very good world building game with an incredible title. And as always, The Quiet Year by Avery Alder, uh, the based god of world building games. (laughs) The based building god, Eric. Mm -hmm. That's true, the based building god. Call them Minecraft Steve. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Because they're always building bases. Continue. Oh. Yeah, I said yes. I said it. I saw the. I saw the thing. It's like I gave Brandon an alley oop, and instead he took out a gun and shot the ball. <laughs> Checks out. Makes sense. And then he said it's Fortnite and ran away. Can I say complete non sequitur? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, I learned yesterday that there is a genre of desserts called the next best thing to Robert Redford. What? Which is what? just like, yeah, Robert Redford liked a certain chocolate cake and so there was like a similar like icebox cake kind of situation and sure. it was just called like the next best thing to Robert Redford and then the New York Times published a version of this recipe and everyone was like, this is just Robert Redford and everyone's like, what? And then had to figure out what that meant. Anyway, so it's the next best thing to Harrison Ford and so Brandon just did. <laughs> Holy shit, Amanda, there is a real thing called next best thing to Robert Redford. That's right. 20th century femininity was oppressed. (laughs) (laughs) The only way to express yourself is through the title of your recipes. Yes. Hey, do you want to play this game? I do. Cool, cool, cool. So, as you might remember before, we're going to come up with some adjectives. We're going to think of some big picture stuff. Then we're going to answer some questions that I'm going to write here on this sheet. We're going to review the questions at the end where we're going to use this as like a jumping off point for the base uh, your island pirate cove thing uh, that we're going to start off because again we're you know we're probably going to touch on this about how this campaign is going to function as compared to like straight up fantasy stories or straight up Dungeons and Dragons games but you know there is going to be more of an element of like going out and coming back because I also do want there to be a base building element because I was very inspired by the recent like push of. Uh, what would you call like Animal Crossing and Stardew Valley, like farming building games? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like Cult of the Lamb, as I've talked about before, has kind of like pushed smoosh the two together, but really sure did just smoosh two things that were fully formed and don't really mix well together, like anchovies and peanut butter. So you've had that Robert Redford dessert then before, Eric. <laughs> the next best thing that Robert Redford peanut butter and anchovies. Yeah. Anchovies, yeah. yeah. Thinking about it, I'm sure that would actually be pretty good. Yeah. Anchovies and peanut butter? Yeah. Are we talking about like anchovy paste and peanut butter? Because like no. eating like a full anchovy dipped in peanut butter, not so much, but like anchovy paste and peanut butter? Not dip, but like on, on a chunky toast. Chunky toast, like a natural nut butter, anchovies, like flaky salt. I feel like they'd be pretty good. I also feel like they tried that in Food Wars. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah. No, I'm talking about the special island nation where they call bananas anchovies. Uh, that, okay. That's why I got confused. It's a regionalism. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to run this Dungeons & Dragons game, which is going to be Campaign 3 with our pirate island and base. But I would love to have a conversation about our experiences with secret bases or home bases, either from personal experience or pop culture. You know, if anyone has like a 
clubhouse or a treehouse or a basement that you had as a kid. But of course, there's plenty of secret layers from pop culture that you're, you might be interested in, like uh, ones from comic books, like the Sanctum Santorum and the Batcave, or, you know, people living on a ship we can also talk about, like whether it's a spaceship or a pirate ship. Or Amanda, I mean, feel free to talk about these town building games that you love so much. But yeah, well, how do you all feel about home bases in your life and in pop culture? So I grew up in a uh, summer community that I feel like we talked a bit about in the world building for the campaign. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I truly loved about that was it was in the middle of the woods. So there was just like different parts of it that were just like we made secret bases in the woods in random places. And my favorite, the one that I remember the most was just there was a huge thing of hedges that separated the camp property from the like property next door, which was an old military academy. And cool. you could like duck into those hedges and they kind of opened up in the middle the way that the hedges were formed. And so we just created a base there. People would like throw out chairs and stuff and we would just drag them behind our bikes into the hedge and Hell yeah. my favorite part was I remember being the quote unquote lookout because I was the smallest so I could climb up into the top branches of the hedges and watch people approach from the field on either side and that's what I think of that's so cute Julia can you tell us what voice you might use when you were being a lookout and what's something you might say if you saw yeah it parents? sounded like my voice but pitched up a little <laughs> bit more <laughs> Watch out! The adults are coming. <laughs> There's people coming. <laughs> Papes, get your papes here. No, Amanda. Amanda, uh, Julia was not a newsie. <laughs> was she, was she? Amanda would know if I was a newsie or not out of all of us here. My memories of Julia as a child are bangs with like chin length hair, dusty, knobbly knees. Kind of a newsie. That's true. <laughs> if you handed me a newspaper and a page boy hat, I would have been a newsie. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair. It's really just the aesthetic. Julie, that reminds me, my memories are in Lake Placid, which at least I based a lot of my suggestions for Lake Town City on um, in the Adirondacks, where in the wintertime, my next younger sibling, Cece and I, there were two huge like blue spruce kind of evergreen trees that grew on the hill behind my grandparents' house. And they were planted too close together because they were like 40 feet tall and basically parallel, like they were really smooshed together. Uh, that was the hill where we did most of our sledding. And so at the top of the hill where we would sled down, these two trees came together and the undergrowth was cleared away so we could go under the trees and really sit like with each of our backs against the two trunks facing each other. And because it was sheltered, there was really no snow there. So there'd be snow all around it. It would get weirdly warm because the snow helps insulate. Like that's why igloos work. And so it was just pine needles on the ground, uh, snow kind of all around. It was so quiet and our parents couldn't see us. So we would go up there and I would make like a little shelf for our like juice boxes. Uh, we would have some snacks up there. We would take our mittens off and our hats and just, you know, play our, our Game Boy colors or read or do whatever it is we would do. And then when we wanted to leave, we would just sled out the door down. And then if you positioned the track right, you could slide right onto my grandparents' front porch. Incredible. Oh, that's tight as hell. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I love that. I think a, a really big thing of a secret base is how you enter and exit. Yeah. Pretty huge. I mean, that's half the fun of the Batcave because it's definitely not the brooding billionaire sitting in the dark with some bats. I thought it was the giant penny. <laughs> yes, Julie's the giant penny. 
<laughs> I like the little uh, I like the little puppet that's in a box. That's my favorite part. A secondary memory, Julie. Do you remember that kid? I brought this up before who went to elementary school with us who had like an attic, Jessica C. Yes. Yeah. So she had like a ductwork crawl space in her parents' attic. There was like a skinny set of stairs, maybe, or it was like one of those panels in the room, like under the eaves, where you could like slide it open and then like go into the crawl space. And she had like blankets and pillows up there, and people had like written on the two by fours um, that framed out the space. And I was so jealous. And when her family moved, I was mad because I was like, I was counting on that space. I was going to go back to that space again and again. And now some fucking other family lives there. Like, I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I was going to write my name and that says Amanda was here. Yeah. Amanda M at that. Oh, Amanda M was here. Yeah. Yeah. Specify. <laughs> there's so many Amandas. You gotta there's make so sure many you know Britneys. Who. There's so many Amandas. There's so many Jessicas. Five of us in high school. I Get know. out of here. You had five Amandas in high school. In like our one class in my oh. drama program. Oh my god, that's a three percent Amanda rate. Three <laughs> percent of our drama program was named Amanda. That's too many. Yeah, yeah. Things have been really changing in this country. Uh, affirmative action is letting in 3% of all Amandas. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> I will say that in one, in, like, my second grade, there were three Erics in the same class. Like, oh. three out of 20 students were named Eric, which is also a high percentage. Too many. But in my graduating high school class, there were three Silvers, and me and my twin brother were only two of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which is very odd. His name was Harrison, and my brother's name is Tyler. So my mom was very clear to be like, hey, can you not put not my child in between <laughs> my two children in the yearbook? So hey, it would be Tyler than Harrison. That's incredible. Makes sense. I only had one other Brandon in all of my grade school years, and he was a big fucking nerd. So so you had two nerdy Brandons? <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> Woo! Hey, Eric, 3 out of 20 is a 15% rate of Eric. That's, That's a lot of Eric. That's a lot of Eric. Hell yeah. Brandon, what do you think about secret bases? I, I think they're dope as hell. We had a like travel trailer thing, not like a full RV because it didn't have like an engine, but like a one you like drag behind a car or whatever. Yeah. And so we used to go camping a lot in it. And we used to go to a place called Dinosaur Valley State Park, which is in uh, Glen Rose or near Glen Rose, Texas. Not so far outside of uh, Dallas, but it's really cool because there's like literally preserved dinosaur footprints mm. in this place that you can see. You know, it's, it's really cool. Gosh. But we, yeah, would stay in the forest, obviously around there. And we, I don't know where the name came from, but me and my siblings like, quote unquote, built a base, you know, in the forest and it was called Mighty Cry. Hmm. And I don't know why, but yeah, that was our base. That's cool. And I just also looked up Dinosaur Valley to get some facts or like to figure out where it was and everything. And it apparently, I didn't know this, but there was a controversy where they found quote unquote twin sets of tracks. And some people thought this was thought to be evidence that humans and non avian dinosaurs lived at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I bet <laughs> they did. <laughs> what? Well, Brandon, was there only one set of tracks because Jesus was carrying a dinosaur? Yeah. Oh, Eric, that's it. Jesus was carrying the people while the dinosaurs made the footprints. That right. The whole time. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. I don't know. So. Jesus was carrying the dinosaurs and the people, but Jesus has dinosaur feet. So, oh, right. oh he was wearing right. like those, so- those shoes that made it look yes. like he had dinosaur feet. No, no, no. He just has dinosaur feet. He's a fucking biblical angel, Eric. Oh, true. true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Damn, you get so much by being the son of God. Such nepotism. <laughs> um, I didn't really have that many secret bases as a kid. Again, I spent a lot of my like formative years just kind of like outside with my brother. The majority of the time we were 
at either like my mom's house or my dad's house, which like after they divorced, like we were just in two condos. So we kind of just like had our own room, like where Tyler would play like Maple Story, like a South Korean RPG that he got really <laughs> into where we played Guild Wars 2. And we spent like a lot of time in like the top floor of my dad's house, which basically like we spent all the time when we were over at his place. And I was like, I was at summer camp, so I didn't really have as many secret bases because I was just like rambling around with some other boys. But like I did look up a bunch of like secret bases that I thought were really cool and that I, I was trying to remember from pop culture um do you remember the treehouse from kids next door that one uh, cartoon on cartoon network Hell yes. yeah, and we, we've talked about this before with swiss family robinson when we were mentioning it at, oh gosh oh, yeah. yeah for the campaign but i really like fucking big goddamn tree houses yeah i think they're really cool and i like when they're bursting i think they're re- that's really funny you like threw an entire complex in a tree yeah i was obsessed with the swiss family robinson because like mine there were a lot of kids and they cared about carpentry and they <laughs> made the sickest tree house of all time and i love that book i'm sure looking back there are some imperialists just overt uh agendas but good god that book was fun yeah as a uh child in Disney World, I loved going to play in the Swiss Family Robinson uh, mm-hmm. attraction thing. As an adult, I'm not allowed to without a oh, child. No. So Fair. it's very sad. Fair. You gotta get your niece up. You gotta go. I know. Um, I also started thinking about like ships where people live and all that stuff, um, like from Battlestar Galactica or the Starship Enterprise, of mm-hmm. course. Um, or, I mean, a big inspiration for this campaign is One Piece for me. So, like, just the changing of this giant pirate ship, and like, you don't really see necessarily where people live in One Piece, but like, again, it's a thing where you can just like shove as much stuff as possible. Like, they had orange trees growing on the on the ship, which I always thought was really funny, yeah. and like a massive kitchen where like the cook could do all. All this stuff so I always thought that was really funny well you gotta avoid scurvy Eric I, I know but it was like they were like growing on the ship it was way too much space for how little <laughs> space they had it was very funny that reminds me more generally of just like seeing a character's room on TV like saying that makes me think of characters like in the Gilmore Girls or in Sex and the City you know places where you can see costumes from previous episodes you can see their hangers you can see you know just like their water glasses and tissues and like just the various signs like a lived in place I always find so endearing Um, and that really stuck out to me as a kid reading like British novels also of any you know boarding school with a common room or anybody like decorating you know their I remember as a kid I was obsessed with dorm room decor and I would sometimes see like a magazine or whatever like decorate your dorm room with like you know whatever and I was like god like the fantasy of just having a space to decorate of my own was so strong I thought dorm room decor was just Scarface posters was there more to it than that <laughs> no Brandon you're right and there was that poster of those two women kissing in black and white <laughs> yeah no had, Brandon's correct club soap. Brandon's correct yeah yeah for me, because I'm the resident comic book nerd, I always really loved the idea of like the X Mansion for yeah. the X Men because one, not only was it like the whole team lived there and worked there, which is fucking wild in and of itself, but also it's a school. So you just have chaotic people with superpowers constantly creating chaos in this so called base all the time. <laughs> and I just love the mechanics of chaos that kind of surround that and like the idea that anything can happen while at this base. 
I was also thinking about the various X-Men cartoons that have existed. Like there was the one, the relatively newer one when we were kids, mid-2000s illustration. X-Men Evolution. Yeah, mm-hmm. that one. And like where it's a lot of teens figuring their stuff out and Beast is very much a professor, which is always very funny. And like the plot of so many of those episodes is like, wow, one of them can't control their powers and it did a bad thing at the school. Yeah. <laughs> and then they got to figure it out. And I think that there's like the episodic nature of some of those where it's like, yeah, let's go figure it out. Let's go do this. I think only works when, yeah, your your job or your your main purpose in your home are one and the same, which I think is is a lot of what we're touching on here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like the idea of the small amounts of choice you get in a lot of these video games to control for the way you want to play. I'm really interested in, you know, being able to choose how something looks. And there isn't like a mechanical thing of that per se, but it is like, you know, the story moves forward as demonstrated by how you build things mm-hmm. is is quite interesting to me. And I've really only seen it started to get mashed up with Cult of the Lamb. For those of you who haven't played, you're a lamb who needs to do basically like a town building game at the same time as like a Hades style roguelike. And I think balancing the two is quite interesting because you get bonuses depending on what buildings you like. You can build a building that turns your cult followers into monsters that will help you in the fight. Uh, You might have another thing that gives you like more hearts or whatever. I kind of like the kind of push and pull of the mechanics as you're trying to make sure that like people don't die because you can use them for your own gain. And I think it could be cool for us to figure this out in like a campaign setting where we really do get to whatever you want, you know. And we, we touched on this with the Amber and with, with the XP, quote unquote. But I think that being able to, le- something tangible to level up your base as demonstrated by bonuses you can get either as like a team or for your ship or for like progressing the story, I think uh, can be really interesting, which is why I really uh, am excited about doing this uh, today. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's do, do it. it. All right. So let's go into the first step of this is what my camp is like, which is us looking at adjectives. Let's assume that our base has standard quote unquote town buildings. Um, these are going to be buildings for each of you to sleep, or maybe you have a shared sleeping area with you and whoever else is on this island. Uh, there is going to be a shared meeting hall, there's a kitchen for group meals. That this is not like set in stone in any sort of way, but you don't have to tell me I need a bed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I need a bed. Let's start, let's make sure we have sleeping quarters first. I want to really make sure we do that. I don't sleep. Is that a problem? That might be a problem. Yeah, that might be a problem. <laughs> so the first part of creating our base is establishing the tone, the color and texture of the setting we want to explore. As a group, let's decide on three adjectives that will set the mood for our base. I've actually swapped some stuff out for what we did with the campaigns, and some of these might be new words. Remember, you can come up with other adjectives as well, but let's use at least one of these as we pick our three. Um, Here are some examples. Ageless, bright, unstable, cluttered, hungry, drowsy, adventurous, intense, ethereal, magnetic, concealed, tense, freewheeling, loud, reachable, careful, faded, volatile, Gritty, tranquil, sprawling, creaky, wayward, vivid, overwhelming. Well, adventurous feels like a gimme. We might be able to like get at that from other directions, but that sounds really cool. I also love freewheeling. It reminds me of seagulls. It reminds me of the sea. Those are the two <laughs> that jumped out. For me, cluttered 
is the one that jumped out at me, like, you know, loot everywhere and whatnot. But also, I am still thinking about chaotic, the same chaotic energy as the Xavier Institute. And so that's where my head's at. I mean, that's good. Yeah, I think cluttered um, stood out to me as well. So I, I get that. That seems like cozy and homey to me. Yeah, exactly. I like clutter. Yeah, I also agree with adventurous. I wasn't sure if we wanted to use that one as like a guiding principle. But like, listen, we're a bunch of plant folk looking for uh, a treasure and we're pirates. So like, I don't know. We don't have to do adventurous if we don't want to. I was going to say, is the is the base adventurous or, or are we adventurous? Exactly. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the that's that's what we're trying to get at a little bit. Totally. I'm pretty drawn to creaky. I think that's cool. It reminds you like a big old house, you know, that's been added to over time. But maybe it's not the direction we want to go in. It can also be something that is like really small and contained and concealed, for example. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Some other just like thoughts. I'm not proposing any of these, but like tents could be interesting. Like maybe it's sort of like a classic pirate haven where there's a million people and there's no laws kind of thing. There could be ethereal could be sort of like cloud-like like sort of like um a real haven base kind of thing yeah i feel like freewheeling and volatile are the ones that i'm being drawn to in particular and again i think those hit the kind of chaotic energy that i am picturing and also gets that kind of idea of uh, pirates just do whatever they want. Like, mm-hmm. just fuck, there's people swinging from ropes across the, the street and uh, things are exploding in small, not chaotic explosions. And sure. that's yeah. where I'm at. I think freewheeling connotes like unpredictability, but in a sort of Fun adventurous way, way yeah. right? And yeah. volatile is a sense of danger or things could kind of like blow up at any moment. I love freewheeling. I think that's I, great. I think that's, mm-hmm. yeah, cheerful and reminds me of like, a you know, the music when you set sail in a movie, you know, with like the big open sea in front of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have said the uh, Lost Boys place from Hook. Mm. Of course. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Really good. Freewheeling is really uh, screaming Rufio whenever your leader shows up. <laughs> that's the energy that I'm feeling here. For yeah. sure. I really like cluttered. I really like freewheeling. I can't remember what we did for the last one. Uh, if we did creaky again, but it does feel similar to how I felt like the campaign went. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a word that was like about how people can find you or the base. I was thinking about something with like misty or hidden or on the other side open. And maybe that's what we're looking for loud or welcoming in a different way. Right. You do have reachable here on the list. Sprawling was what came to my mind, like almost a very, yeah, like an open spot where people meet together and they kind of just like build their own places on top of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember, this is definitely a choice. Like mm-hmm. while there is a pirate contest going on, do you want to be something that's open or do you want to be something that's not? I think, yeah, the other the other end of the spectrum would be like concealed or protected or passcoded or like something along the lines of a cove. I know it's a noun, not an adjective, but something that like you have to know a person to know a person to know how to get there. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of almost piercing a veil or of knowing like when you know exactly where to go or the coordinates where it looks like a kind of rocky abandoned whatever. But then when you sail around it, you actually see this, you know, like city cluttered, freewheeling, lots of stuff going on. Mm. At least for me, that's a fun sort of like it's homey, but also once you're there, you can be really free. And I like the dissonance between those two things. Yeah. Yeah. I like that, too, actually. That's kind of like a, a middle ground between the two. That's nice. Yeah. 
I think to Eric's point before, I like the idea of being open and accessible because it makes it easier to like recruit people to our cause or for people to find us and join us. But at the same time, it does open us up to attack during a pirate contest, for lack of a better phrase. Right. And being concealed gives us that privacy and that protection, but also makes it difficult for people who might want to be on our side to find us. So that's interesting. I like what, yeah, I like what Amanda, you said about like passcoded or coded as an adjective. You know, it's not secretive necessarily. Or it's like, what what is a word that means once you have the password, you can get in, but without it, you can't. Can I pitch an idea? I don't I don't know what the word is, but I like the idea of just like almost like a Disney on the Pirates Ride where you go under that like fog, fake waterfall thing. Veiled? Yeah. yeah. Like you go a through a water a veil and then like it is indoors or whatever like it's in a, a literal cave or cove or whatever it is but it's massive so it looks almost as if you're outside yeah maybe it's like a microclimate where there is like a constant fog or yeah. something like a low cloud and perhaps it's like a lock and there is a you know a mechanism that lets us get back out but we're actually living below sea level mm. something along those lines is the word then just veiled yeah I wrote cool. down the word veiled. I think yeah. that's very good. Excellent. Because you can part it, you can pierce it, you can reveal its existence to somebody else, but it's still protected from the outside world. I like that. All right. The adjectives I've written down are cluttered, freewheeling, and veiled. How do yeah. we feel about those? I love it. I like it. Hell yeah. All right. So jumping off the adjectives, let's set up some big picture ideas. What does the landscape look like? What do the buildings look like? What are our characters' value? Ordinarily, this is where we do some more world building, but we've done that in previous episodes. But I still think that there's a lot to play with here. Just because it's pirates doesn't mean it's a tropical treasure island sort of thing. All it really has to be is that you're surrounded by salt water because you're you're on the tide. Also, at where we're starting, I feel like we're in, we have a relatively small crew, but that doesn't mean that this is a tiny island. It could be. Definitely you have your own tiny island being this you've already started touching on it, but this could also be a smaller part of a larger island, but then we would have to contend with who else is there. Because again, there wasn't anything here before y'all showed up because the um the cascade went away. So it's all about like what happened in the last 50 years in the in the big rush about where we're starting. I really like the suggestion that Amanda just made of this kind of cave-like thing where there is a microclimate and you have to pass through the veil in order to get through it. Mm -hmm. I also am picturing, however, it's like a hollowed out dormant volcano mm. where you have like an Tight. open same brain area over the top. I love that. Yeah. I think that something where there's like different kind of caves and natural outcroppings that people have added on to. Maybe you add a door or you add an awning or you keep your valuables there. Not the valuables, but like the necessary stuff, like a change of clothes or, you know, bedding and things. And I, I sort of like that you, you know, can claim a nook or a locker almost. <laughs> um, and there's enough space for, you know, your crew to bunk for the night. And, you know, maybe somebody has set up a trading post and someone has a restaurant and, you know, somebody is like the guy you go to for a haircut. And there is just kind of like a, a very kind of come as you and go take what you need leave what you don't place where there is honor among thieves in this way mm -hmm, we've mm -hmm. made a commune is what we're saying <laughs> sure yeah made I, a mean, pirate commune. I mean kind of yeah yeah i mean if you want to have people in there that's not just you for sure that's definitely a choice y'all can can do i like the idea that you sort of brought up eric about like having other because i imagine if it's a gold rush kind of vibe like it's, there's going to be people stepping on people's toes. Like, that's just inevitable. Yeah. So, like, I wonder if, like, 
we have like the dormant volcano that's hollowed out and that's where we sort of like set up our base but then like on the actual land level above us there are also other camps and other folks yeah, I think we would definitely have our own space, like the, you know, the cave that is ours and we, you know, have our, our flag on it or our names or something and, you know, we close it. But there's people around if you need it, almost like yeah. a home in a city sort of thing. Where am I going to buy my pirates? I mean, my parrots. Where am I going <laughs> to buy my pirates, Eric? I don't know, man. It's I don't, How much you trade? <laughs> no, I like the idea just to illustrate what Amanda is saying that, like, if y'all are in the volcano cave... But there is like some other stuff happening on the island proper, which I think could be helpful. I was picturing a volcano that's like a thousand feet wide and like everything is inside of it. But yes, me too. Yeah. Okay, then that's fine. I also I think that that might be better. Yeah, because I'm kind of picturing almost like a JRPG, you know, when you go out of wherever your like town or bases and then you meet random people and you're like, hey, you should come to my town. And they're like, okay. And the next time you return to the town, they've set up a little farm (laughs) stand because now they're selling carrots or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the idea of as people come and join us, they add more and more to the, the base building, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. I think that's very cool. This is reminding me of uh, Marceline's house from Adventure Time, mm. where like they're in a cave and then there's just like a house in the cave, <laughs> which I find, which I just find very funny. I mean, listen, you don't have to explain why it's cool as fuck to live inside of a volcano. It is. Uh, that's tight as hell. Uh, what do you think about like the buildings or what? How do you set up? I guess when you're inside of a volcano, it's location, 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 and then everything else just fucking figures it out along the way. Is the vibe that I'm getting. Like, yeah, we're, let's just throw some buildings together. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is chaotic and cluttered in the way that we chose those nouns to describe it. So I think that fits the mold. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, like, yeah, I think in the way that this is sort of a very diverse group of people coming together to live in this one spot, like, so are their building materials. Like, someone maybe, yeah, built into the cave itself, into the rock. Some folks built wooden buildings. Exactly. If you have the biology to, like, you know, sleep up and down, then you have, like, a sick vertical space. If you mm-hmm. can fly, then you're higher. You know, like, all all kinds of stuff. If you need to, like, anchor your roots in at the ground, you know, you're at ground level. I think that's awesome. And I think 50 years is just the right amount of time where, like, a very kind of slapped together, almost shanty town is sufficiently upgraded where it's not, like, you know, new construction, but someone has replaced the, like, twigs with, you know, more, like, shaved down and regular wood um, in some of the dwellings. Yeah. I love that there's just like a giant nest in one part of it up up top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I really like that. It's just like, you know, whoever, whoever, whatever you want, whatever, just build your own thing and then we'll, yeah. all, do, we'll all do it together. I like right. that. That's a pirate way, baby. Right. Do what you want, but you must have a parrot. <laughs> there's no parrots. I know. It's just, I'm, imagining, <laughs> I'm imagining it's like a little beat with wings <laughs> just sitting on someone's shoulder. That's, That's so pretty good. You know, it's like how pirates, like, you know, there was always, like, bird poop on their shoulder. It's like there's always, like, red on someone's shoulder yeah. for the beat. <laughs> I was going to say, the pair would be, like, ten times taller than us. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So we have these some big picture ideas here. Um, remember, I, I we're not going to talk about the name of our island or our base or as we start to talk about our ship. We're, there's no question explicitly for it. Don't try to force it. We're just going to let it naturally come up in conversation. Robert says, Redfordton. Yes. If someone says a name and everyone goes, ooh, that's probably it. But if not, then we're just going to keep seeing what happens and we can just come up with it later. It doesn't have to even be during the session. Cool. 
All right, so let's answer some more specific questions about what we're dealing with here. Uh, I have three sets of questions, the space, the boat, and the needs so far. Starting with set one, let's answer as many questions that we have players for the each table. Starting with the shortest character, we're going to go around in a circle, rolling a d6 to see which question we answer. Although everyone who can contribute, the person who rolled the die will ultimately decide the answer. Whose character is the shortest? I forget now. How big is Umbi? I think he's pretty tall, but like hunched over. So I think he's tall. I think Troy is very short because when you look at a butterfly, most of the height is wings and Troy's are rolled but up. But does his wing count? <laughs> no, Julia, he's a short king. <laughs> Damn. All right, yeah, we'll start with Amanda. That sounds great. Oh, no, we picked the same heights as last time. (laughs) (laughs) So first, before we start, I want to say that because it's campaign three, this might set up some benefits for once we start either straight up mechanical benefits, people who are on the island, part of your crew, or something a little bit squishier, as I said, in, in terms of story. I've talked about a skill tree before, and any special things that you add will be coming up from level zero or which is like base or non-existent to level one. For example, if you want a quote-unquote good cannon, that's going to be a level one thing, so it's only going to be a little bit better, or it's going to like exist for the first time. Mm. Like you can't just be like, oh, fuck, I want something that does 100 damage right from the beginning. I don't know if you've played Civilization, but you know when you pick a a certain people and they start out with like one good thing is like, oh, you start out with iron. Mm -hmm. But that's it. Like you just get iron. You don't have a nuke. You know what I mean? Just because you started with Gandhi. Gotcha. Okay. At the same time, there are things you can assume that your character would have as like personal stuff, but it wouldn't be like bonuses. For example, I assume Umbi might have a workshop. Right, a place where he does his 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 bomby things. <laughs> However, it's not like a, mo- a workshop mechanically. You don't get bonuses because you have a workshop, but he he would have a place that he works on his bombs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I imagine more like a um, uh, like a Smeagol Gollum style cove where he's just like, yeah! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, so a workshop exactly. Uh-huh. But like maybe you know maybe you have like a like a a tackling dummy or something to set up for to mess with swords or, or, or for your Troy's gunmanship or wherever Cam does their tea stuff. Yeah. That's fine. That can exist, but it doesn't have bonuses unless we are investing like game points into it. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Hey, it's Amanda. Oh my God, it has been so exciting to see everybody get to know our characters and our crew in the world of Vertistello over these last few pregame episodes. And I have to admit, I've been looking at my world a little bit differently. You all know I love plants, and I love most of all when my plants are growing new leaves or buds or flowers. Just seeing the the little nub, you know, come into being is so amazing. And uh, recently I made myself laugh by imagining that my jade plant, which was growing a, a new leaf and looks like truly the most just adorable, chibi, cartoony leaf uh, that the leaf was yelling, hello, and like excited to meet the world. So that's just where I'm at. Um, welcome to the mid-roll. Hi. 
Thank you so much to our newest patrons. I am excited that you're excited to join us and to live react to all of these episodes coming out in the special Campaign 3 spoiler channel of our patron-only Discord. Obi and Delia, you are our newest patrons as of the time I'm recording this, but I'm sure there will be many more of you by the time this episode is out. Welcome. Thank you. I will say your names next week. And if you listening right now want to join and get access to hundreds and hundreds of posts worth of bonus stuff and the just lovely stream, the never-ending salt sea of goodness that is the Join the Party Patreon Discord. Join us at patreon.com slash join the party pod. If you've been waiting to get someone you love and to join the party, I mean it, folks. This is the time. The first story episode of the campaign is coming out in just two weeks. Next week is our after party. So you have two weeks, basically, to be like, hey, let's get you into this. Listen to the 10-minute D&D overview that Eric and Amanda made linked at jointhepartypod.com slash start. And let me tell you and get you hyped about all of this goodness. That start page on the website is a perfect place to get your folks and friends into the show. And also there's a gorgeous page on the website, if I do say so myself, all about the world of Vertistello. It is linked at jointhepartypod.com slash start. This week at Multitude, this is not the only weekly podcast where you can hear me and Julia get really excited about stories and storytelling and what makes something lore and important and a larger-than-life figure. Because you have Spirits, a history and comedy podcast about everything folklore, mythology, and the occult, all through the lens of feminism and queerness and modern adulthood. Julia has been doing a fabulous job recently researching Norse mythology for our 2023 mini series. It's Norse, of course, where we go through the foundational figures and stories of Norse mythology after finishing It's All Greek to Me in 2022. Truly, I don't know how we can top that for 2024. You know, hang in, find out. You can start listening with any of the 325 plus episodes that we have released over the last six years, going on seven. Oh my God. There is so much to enjoy, whether you're here for analyses of mental health in mythology or just some creepy modern ghost stories. Dive on in at spiritspodcast.com or look up spirits in your podcast app. We are sponsored today by Brilliant. If you are a, um, let's say, particularly old pawpaw fruit and, you know, you're just out in the world and you're trying to... I don't know, find some adventure. You don't know what you're out here doing. You're just find yourself out here on the high seas joining a pirate crew. It'll really help you to learn about electricity and magnetism because you love to put chemicals together and make bombs. And whether you are making an electromagnetic one or you are simply learning about chemistry and combining different reagents and materials, it is really worthwhile to learn all about the world around you. And there is nowhere I like to learn math, science, and computer science more than Brilliant.org. Brilliant has thousands of lessons with new ones added every month. They are a lovely team, a beautiful site, and a really, really great way to learn not just the details of math and science, but the fundamentals and why things work the way they do, whether that's trying to further your career or just learn something fun. To get started for free, visit brilliant.org slash join the party or click on the link in the description. The first 200 of you to do so will get 20% off Brilliant's annual premium subscription. 
We're also sponsored by the League of Ultimate Questing, an actual play podcast set in a world where questing is a major league sport. Follow teams of heroes as they rise through the ranks for fame, fortune, and corporate sponsorship. The story is brought to life with commentator play-by-plays and hilarious in-world advertisements for fantasy products like Viagro for barbarians who need to, you know, perk their rage up a bit to Rock Shasta brand cola. There are over 200 tightly edited one-hour episodes to catch up on, and in four years of production, they have always put new episodes out on Mondays without fail. There's no dungeon too deep and no quest too questionable. This is the League of Ultimate Questing. Visit slap-studios.com to find out more about the show or listen to the League of Ultimate Questing where you get your podcasts. Finally, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. There is so much to think about and worry about and get ready just to get the day started and all of the things that I have to do to keep myself in tip-top shape of eating and sleeping and making sure that I dress well so that I feel good in how I'm presenting myself to the world. All stuff I'm remembering to do with my job, but also house and also friends and family and supporting my loved ones. There's a lot. And if I am not feeling like I'm at my best, then it makes it really hard to show up for others in my life. And that makes me feel worse, which just starts a really tough cycle. So I depend on therapy to help me stay in tip top shape. You might even say ship shape. And therapy is something that I really don't know how I would get through my week without at this point. It's become really integral to my life and my routine that helps keep me strong for the ones that I love. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now, Let's get back to the show. Let's start with set one, the space. This is going to be about the island itself. Happily for campaign three, I rolled a three. Three. (laughs) Yay. Okay. We've already touched on this a little bit, but I do want to expand here. Uh, What landscape feature is the base integrated with or what landscape feature do buildings need to work around? So there is a huge array of elevation inside this volcano, and I am going to draw on my favorite landmark I've ever visited, which is the birthplace of the potato in Peru, where there were (laughs) tiered farming. And there's microclimates like every 10 or 15 feet where it's like an upside down pyramid where it goes from ground level all the way down. And you can make plants adapt as you grow them up and down the elevations to work on mountains. So here I think that there are all different kinds of like vegetation, berries, mushrooms, flowers, all the kinds of nutrients we need growing, you know, haphazardly naturally all over the inside of the volcano. So there are, you know, there's the section where you can forage for various things. Some are more humid than others. Some are really dry. It probably goes drier as you get toward the bottom because at the top, I'm imagining like a cloud and kind of the veil that keeps um, the spot hidden. So it gets kind of more humid, wetter, more rainforesty as you go up. Can I pitch you a yes and where it's like, because there's only one hole at the very top, right? Like that column is where you can get like traditional plants and then like yeah as you go out from there and up from there inside from there you get like yeah the mushroom stuff and like the 
But I just, I like the idea there's only like one single farm, community farm, that we'll all have to use at the bottom of the base because <laughs> it's the one that gets the most sunlight. Where the sun goes. And yeah, it's like yeah. there's, o- there's only a cone where the sun comes in exactly, the top yeah. of the volcano. I think that would be really interesting if there was, yeah, like a kind of community plot in the very center. It's like our mini open fields, right? It's where people with, you know, who like to farm or know enough how to do it to do it can get that done. No. Yeah, I don't think I changed anything you said. I just thought that was funny. Oh, yeah, I know. I, think I, I also think it's funny that like rain only comes in through the top in like one segment yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Which and is like, also very funny. Those are where the mushrooms would grow, right? Like damp and kind of shadowed, like it would be in the crevices, you know, kind of near the top of the uh, volcano. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. also probably our only fresh water supply is mm-hmm. the rain that comes down from the, yeah. the big hole in the top. Oh, so maybe there's a big like water tower collection thing. Catchment. Like, yeah. On stilts above the farm mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, or there's just like a really big basin in the bottom mm. just to grab yeah. everything. It's a catchment. That's what it's called. Oh, oh there you go. Catchment. Well, well, well. It's a fucking catchment. It's a catchment. A water catchment. Yeah. Uh, I also, I'm still trying to figure out like where the boat can come in into the cove. But I, maybe it's just like on the side. And there really is just like a bunch of volcanic rock, like the majority of that stuff. So you have all the all this stuff to play with. But there's also, you know, it goes up and down. What if? What if? Thank you. What if um, you Marvel kind of presents what if. <laughs> you sail in almost the middle of the elevation, and then there is you know a cove, and there is land sloping downward more into the bedrock, and then there is a lot of space upward. That makes sense. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Boat elevator. Boat elevator. <laughs> it's called a lock, Brandon. No, but see, a lock does the water. I want like a net that takes the boat up. Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool as hell. That definitely. Yeah. There's like a modified fishing net, but it's not fishing. It's something else. Yeah. Pulling seaweed from the ground and pulling mm-hmm. it up. That would be tight as hell. All right. Um, who's next? Kelp collector. It's me. Cam. Julia. A one. A one. Oh, Julia, once again, you're answering the question about the water. What is the sea like around the island? Describe the water with three adjectives. Oh, interesting. So I'm, I like the idea of it being coved. So there is a cove in which one has to navigate through in order to get to the entrance, the veiled entrance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In particular, I really like the idea of a hidden reef or something like that. So you Mm. do have a lot of people who get wrecked outside if they're not careful. Absolutely. I also really like the idea of the water being a different color than the water that Mm. surrounds it, whether it is either more pungent or less pungent. I would ask my other players what you think is more interesting. More vivid is a good word. Oh, sure. I think it would have to be more colorful, right? In order to like Mm -hmm. hide the reef. Right. I think if it's, yeah, like a, like very green, maybe there's a lot of moss. I'm picturing like moss growing on wrecks and like algaes and other kinds of stuff that would get swept away on the open sea. If we went from like a grayish blue of the open sea into like a really mossy green cove, I think that's pretty tight, especially if it's humid with the veil. That is great and also leads to the other thing that I had in mind, which is, I don't have a single word for it, but the idea of like a very large kelp forest Mm. outside of the island, like surrounding the island, maybe in the same cove area, which allows for farming of kelp and making that a a resource for us as well. And for little baby otters. Mm -hmm. Kelp for little baby otters. Yeah. Kelpie is a fine adjective. Kelpie. Yes. (laughs) Kelpish. 
Kelpish. Yeah. Kelpie with a Y instead of an I-E. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting? I mean, everything you've set up here is that there's a hidden reef. It's very opaque. There's a lot of kelp. There's definitely some shit in the water. Who can say? 100%. There's got to be because, mm-hmm. like, there are shipwrecks. We know monsters love to hide in shipwrecks. There's a lot of food source. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a, if there's kelp forest, there's a food source straight up. So there's going to be some sea monsters around this island. Crab. crab and some crab, loot crab, if you're brave crab. enough to go in there. Big crab. Big exactly. Crab, big crab. And oh, yeah, muscles all over the place. You know what? There's a giant, Brandon, there's a giant crab around the island. Crab! 100%. Giant crib. I haven't not thought about like what monsters, quote unquote, are going to look like so far, but there's going to be some cool water bug monster crabs. <laughs> yeah. I love it. It has water wings, so it flies better in the water. I love it in idea. If I saw it, I hate it. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be tight as hell. Yeah. I like that. Water monster. I'm writing down. Crab in the water. Crab in the water. <laughs> a pirate in the sky. Brandon, it's your turn. Oh. Um, be, um, be, Here's that um, tall be. fruit. Four! Great. Uh, classic Brandon. Who does the cooking? <laughs> Name one positive and one negative about how this person cooks. Now, this can be one of you three. It can be someone else. You do need to describe them a little bit uh, if you are introducing a new character, but uh, I want to give you that open-endedness that it doesn't have to be one of the PCs, but it can be if you want to. Folks, do we want to go... There's only two options here, right, in my head. Do we want to go almost like Umby-esque mad scientist cook where he's just like, yeah, give me the mushrooms from the top, and he like scales the rock? (laughs) Or... I think that has to be it. I can't imagine a better alternative. Let me pitch this idea. Fucking Noma style, like seven star Michelin restaurant <laughs> chef who's like foraging ingredients and yeah, like a super high end. Uh, what's the name of the guy from Noma? Uh, Renee. Renee yeah. Redzepi. Yeah. Redzepi. Yeah. Brandon, I love that. I want to yes end this. Can Cam and Umby tag team cooking? Because <laughs> I've been thinking about Cam as the cook for a while now. Yeah. And I feel like it's just extremely calm energy with extremely chaotic energy and the food (laughs) comes out amazing. Yeah, I mean, like, totally down for that. I think Umby would see cooking as just like a natural extension of bomb making because like when it doesn't explode, it's food. So, (laughs) (laughs) boy. I, I just imagine Troy putting his boots up, playing cards and being like, whatever you got, man, yeah. I like both so much. Obviously, I want your characters to get fleshed out, but man, I sure do want an exiled restaurateur to be making high-class shit in the middle of your uh, your camp. Eric, I think we do both. I, I think me and Cammy cook when we're, especially when we're out somewhere on sure. the open water, but there should definitely be like a, a Noma restaurant in this case. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm 100% picturing the like first time we came back after the Noma restaurant set up while we were out <laughs> at sea, and we were like, Excuse me? <laughs> Troy touches a single bubble like, what the fuck is this? It's good, but it's not tea. Right. So I'm going to have to come up with some adjectives to describe gastronomy now. Thank you. <laughs> Molecular gastronomy. Okay. Positive and negative gear. The positive, I assume, is really good, high class shit. The negative is this chef has problems because they were exiled and now work for pirates. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Is it just that... 
either it's too expensive for the pirates or it's just underappreciated because most of the pirates are just like, give me the food. Yeah, I think most pirates would be like, I will just eat the berry raw. Like, why would I fuck with that? And Why would I want to compote? Like, this is the absolute wrong audience for this person's real art. I love it. I think he, like, used this, like, everything is natural right like there's no plates no silverware like he uses forged things for that too like he used like yes coral as a plate or something and they eat the coral and he's like oh my god guys seriously right <laughs> just because it is the plate doesn't mean it's on the plate yeah 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 okay high class chef but it's incredibly unnecessary and no one wants to knows what to do that's very good yeah but no rules baby he ain't got no rules down here. No rules, just right. It's called the Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> Outback. No, it was a joke. No. I wrote down Outback Food House. Oh, God. <laughs> Shit. All right, we'll, we'll come back to it. Okay, let me roll. The tallest member of our party, DM Eric Silver. <laughs> I rolled a two. What wakes up everyone in the morning... Or what makes it hard to sleep? It's good. It's got to be the sleep one, right? I think so. I mean, this strikes me as a city that is never quiet. Raucous games and fights and impromptu competitions. Like, you never know who's going to be rolling in at whatever hour of the day or night. And so I imagine that, like, after dark is when pirates thrive, right? And that's when people come out to party and hang out till dawn. Mm. So I did just Google... Are crabs night feeders? Great. <laughs> because the idea of a crab just being so loud while it devours something huge and gross, keeping us all up at night, is extremely funny to me. <laughs> Julia, I think that's it. I think you nailed it. I was thinking of that, either like it was an animal that kept people up, and I think that what we did about these water monsters, them feeding at night is very funny, and you just hear like... <laughs> The other one I had was someone just at like four in the morning. You just hear a scream from the top of the volcano every night. <laughs> someone just Who's wailing. Up there, Umby, get down. Someone just wailing. But I feel like uh, maybe we'll come back to that. Uh, I feel like that could happen. I think it, it's the water monsters feeding. I think Julia's right. Yeah, that is incredibly funny. Actually, the idea that somebody—it's like those things where, like, oh, someone leaves a flower on the grave every year for the last sixty years. Like, yeah. you don't know who it was. I love that, but. The concept that, like, the big crab feeds in, like, the hour before dawn. And so you can come anytime you like. You can leave whenever you want. But people are, like, waiting in the cove in the morning before they want to leave for their dawn adventure to be, like, checking their watches. Like, mm, all right, did he finish his meal? Like, we got to wait before we go. I love that. Right, because then, then the water monster takes a nap right after they feed. Exactly. It's a yeah. great time to leave. I love that idea because, like, that means that there's an hour within this town city thing where there is no escape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But then there's like a there's like two, a two hour window where you know it's safe and then everything else around it is such a crapshoot. It's about navigation and it's totally like hidden. I think it's really I think it's neat. Yeah. Yeah. And that I'm sure there are people like setting up, you know, vendors setting up to like sell breakfast in the morning before you go. And there are people who are like, oh, you got to kill the hour. Like, come on down to the tavern, you know, all kinds of stuff. That's when happy hour is. Oh, I was thinking there's an hour in which you can do whatever crime you need to do, which involves no escape. You know, that too. 
Hell yeah. I'll just get as a little gift. I was wrapping it up for you, Eric. Oh, I mean, that yeah, sounds yeah. great. Listen, there's going to be a lot of the, you fit you all figuring this out. There's also uh, there's a lot of codes here, which I think is really cool and something that we've touched on with Veiled. Right. So I really I really like leaning into this. Oh yeah. yeah. I wrote down water crab feeding an hour before dawn and then sleeping for ninety minutes afterward. I think is very important. Like imagine all those sitting ducks sitting at four thirty in the morning outside the cove, needing to wait for the next hour before they can enter. That sounds like an opportunity to me. Or the mm-hmm. military <laughs> not being able to enter. Mm-hmm. Could be good. Could be a nursery. Could be a nursery. <laughs> all right. Be a nursery. Set two, the boat. Let's talk about your ship. Mon friends, let's shift one to the right here. Let's go Julia, Brandon, Eric, Amanda. Sure. I also want to hit the emergency. I came up with a name for the island. Do it. This is like you're slamming the button in Among Us. Yes, exactly. The Big Top. It's good, Julia. It's really good. Does make me think of a circus, though. Yes. Because it is chaotic like a circus. And it's full of fucking clowns. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to write it down. I like it. Feels pretty good. That's good. Now, I do just want to mention that I saw Amanda's Slack message earlier and didn't process it, but Amanda did write the outback as in out space back, like it's outback steakhouse, which is very funny. And steak like the thing you kill vampires with. Yeah. Uh, steak in it, baby. <laughs> Listen, that might be good. That might, that might come around. All right, let's talk about the boat. Gulia, give me a roll. Black. Four. Four. What is the most dangerous part of the boat? What cautionary tale do old hands tell new ones? Hmm. I have to think about my pirate training now. You know, me personally trained as a pirate. Yeah. I think that there's some different things here. I think that I didn't I didn't want to be like, what part of your boat fucking sucks? <laughs> what part of your boat's bad? But I wonder like there are plenty of things that could be dangerous. Whether it is broken and you haven't fixed it, so you got to do a convoluted thing. It's like when a can opener is broken and you're like, yeah, avoid the pointy part. We were to just use it like that. Mm-hmm. Or uh, or you have to use a knife to open cans. So it could be like something that's broken. It could be something that's actually dangerous, whether cannons or the engine. Uh, or it could be something that's extra dangerous because of the area. Maybe like pulling up the anchor is dangerous because someone's or someone got hurt on it, even if you wouldn't know it was particularly dangerous. Like pulling up the anchor and it's it sliced someone in half or something. It happens. Let me pitch you an out of left field idea uh, that I'm not I'm not supporting. Just something to chew on. <laughs> if we get this boat secondhand somehow, whether it's stolen or purchased, it could be an area of the boat where, like, you know, someone died, and it's a spooky area we don't go into. That's where the ghost lives. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. He also, if you stole it or it was secondhand, there could be like plausible deniability to never look at the papers. So the <laughs> captain's quarters is cordoned off. So all of us have plausible deniability of where it came from. <laughs> I was just That's thinking funny. that or like the name of it, like somebody at some point changed the name or like added on a spelling or there's an old name on a board, like under the new name we put on it. And it's like, yeah, just never sell the open seas with that name or that flag, please. Yeah. I'm into that. I love the idea that I had a name printed in like big gold ornate letters and then we just in like fucking chalk or charcoal over just it. like yeah. added a letter to make it something different or whatever. Sloppy paint. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. The Verdistello equivalent of like duct tape and like a chalk marker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense to me. I like that a lot. I think captain's quarters <laughs> quarters and proper and proper documentation. 
maybe not the captain quarters, but maybe there's some kind of like, because I want it to be slightly smaller because I don't want to not be able to go to captain's quarters, you know? Oh, I think it's like wherever they keep the official documents. That's why I assumed it was in the captain's like quarters. a ledger or something. Yeah. Like there's like a lock cabinet that no one goes into. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so the captain had some kind of container in his quarters that we don't open. Well, traditionally, there is such thing as a captain's chest, which is like a very fancy sea chest with pockets and like things that you can lock and and such. So maybe there is like an old, uh, you know, it used to be really fancy, like the equivalent of like a Louis Vuitton luggage, you know, but it's a trunk and it's locked and there's like the dead man's clothes in there. Maybe it could be helpful, but uh, it's also got the papers and we don't need to know whose boat this was. Can I also pitch you that in order to keep any sea hands that we have hired aboard our ship away from that, we have invented a ghost story around it. Okay. There's, yes, there's also yes, a ghost 100%. story. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's tight as hell. I like that a lot. Am I rolling? Yes. Who's your yes, Brandon? Go ahead. By the way, I saw quince for sale yesterday and thought umby, but that's the wrong fruit. <laughs> Uno, one. Okay, your boat has incredibly recognizable iconography on the mast and figurehead. Yeah. What is it? Or your ship has unusual coloring. What is it? Oh. Now, this can be, just to, to tie these two together, this could be from the old ship, or you had to fucking change it, like changing the license plate on a car. <laughs> or if you're robbing a bank, you take off your jacket and you flip it around and it looks like a different jacket. Yeah, well, my first bad idea is to add flames and a, a unicorn <laughs> on it. but <laughs> You can't hear me shaking my head, but I am. That's what's happening, I can confirm. The idea of the figurehead being like a butterfly emerging from a chrysalis is the first thing mm. that came to my mind because that seems like really cool and also meaningful iconography for this world. And also like kind of gruesome. Yeah. It's scary as hell. I like that, Julia. I also don't want to be too restricted to one species because, you know, my character is a butterfly, but I don't want to be like, oh, this is the this is the one that the boat is for. Maybe it's just a chrysalis because like that looks kind of like a plow, which sort of ties in the open fields. I think that could be interesting. My bad idea, Brandon, was that Troy was having shot practice and shot a hole through the mast accidentally. And then uh, someone was like, that actually really works for us. And then now there's just like 200 <laughs> holes in the mast, which is not great for aerodynamics, but like it is a distinct, distinctive look and gives us kind of street cred. So it's like we've been in a million battles. Oh. Julia is... Uh... I look horrified because I know how boats work and I'm like, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't have a hole in the mast. So here's my thought. I don't know that we want iconography because why would we want to be identifiable from 40 miles away with a telescope? You know, we're fucking pirates. We want to be infamous. But unless it's fake iconography or like, like it's the British flag or whatever, you know? Hmm. What if the mast has a bunch of broken arrows sticking out of it? Well, then that was my second thought when you said that, Amanda. What if when we got the boat, we like... We distressed it? Yeah, we distressed it to make it look like non-threatening sort of. And like, so when people approach it, they're like, they think that we're at a disadvantage and then we just um, have the advantage on them. I think it'd be really cool if our distinctive look was that we distressed the boat by making it look like bitten and worn and like use chains and tools and stuff to like knock the shit out of it where it's still seaworthy, Julia, don't worry. But it looks, remember that we went to my uncle's table distressing party once, Julia? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where like you take a new thing and you make it look old and battle-worn to like give us cred. And that sort of disguises whatever life the ship had before us. Exactly. And I think also 
because this is a very like plant and greenery world, we somehow implant like moss and lichens and and oysters and whatever all around it. So if we cast anchor somewhere in the sea, we just look like a ship that has no one on it that's been like abandoned. And that's like a, a nice little move we can also use. Troy's like, give me 40 days and a lot of water. I'll get this covered in muscles for you. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Listen, I think this is a good idea. You will need to hear lots of other pirates say your ship looks like butt. But other than that, other than that I think it's, it's, it's definitely practical. What do you think, Julia? I am trying for the life of me to recall a quote from either a book or a movie or something like that where it was like a pirate should never steal a ship that either wasn't in battle or hadn't been to sea yet because it needs to have that kind of test of metal to it so i really like that idea that even if we didn't do that we tried our best to make it seem like we were doing that (laughs) yeah i mean listen you you walk onto a job site with new boots and someone's like must be nice new boots never worked a day in your life so (laughs) i love that like you you know a tool that looks like it's been through hell and back is a better tool than a new one absolutely i'm into it i think it's called the whatever our name of our ship is it's called the blank maneuver (laughs) we drop anchor it looks like a fake ship we get in little lifeboats and hide behind it. And then when they come and try to attack our boat, we get them. We flank them, baby. Yeah. Underestimated, hiding in plain sight, something like that. Hell yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, it is my turn. All right. I got a two. You immediately invest in one weapon for the boat. What is it? Or you immediately invest in how the boat moves. What is it? What are you all What are you all thinking? I feel like giving away secrets of how we're going to win battles to you, the DM, Eric, is not a good <laughs> way of going about this. Whatever, man. Because I had an idea specifically for Umbi, but I'm going to save it mm. for later. Well, if we build on the previous answer, I think if we neglect to clean the hull of the boat and we let mussels and algae and moss um by the way i should have mentioned spirit fair earlier which is like you literally build a home on a boat and i'm obsessed with that i've done it like four times if you don't clean those things off the boat probably is a little bit less fast than it could be otherwise but i think that gives us some almost like armor in smacking into stuff like i think the boat is kind of sharp and so we take less damage if we bump into something but also if we like run our boat into somebody it like breaks their hull open because there are a bunch of sharp barnacles on the front it's like the knives they put on the tires in Greece. <laughs> I was about to say, do we just go where it's like, well, that's a good idea, and just throw knives on the sides <laughs> of the boat? I'm like into big it. swords. But only under the water, so you don't see the knives. Yeah. I fucking love that. Yeah. Rusty knives and arrows, like, just below the water level on the boat. <laughs> that's a thing. I've seen that before. Or I remember it from a movie or something. Like, you can put weapons yes below the waterline which will mess up another boat and it's your boat is put together for ramming in that way i think like that's a real thing yeah i think that's pretty good you immediately invest in one weapon what is it it is uh i'm just picturing like talking to the barnacles and being like open up bud and then like putting the hilt of a knife in their mouth (laughs) (laughs) rusty knife ram below the waterline it's also very useful for, like, boarding and stuff like that if we're going to be doing pirate fights, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And maybe we catch some fish on there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What a, you know, or, whatever. Whatever. Or we leave a bunch of fish just, like, scraped up in our wake, and they're like, oh, no. Yeah. Plant fish, of course. Yeah, because yeah, we yeah. don't know that fish are real. Plant fish, right. Yeah, right. yeah. 
Again, what is a salmon? Maybe we catch some seaweed on is what I meant to say. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What is a salmon, really? I don't I don't even know. Who didn't roll? Amanda, Amanda. go ahead. Once again, I rolled a three. Three. Ooh. Okay, we kind of answered this, but we can lock this in. Something, not a person, lives in or on the boat. What is it? The ghost? You could have a ghost if you want a ghost. But that would make it real, right? If we want yeah. it to be real. Okay. You know how like mushrooms are all connected underground and it's like one organism with lots of like cells, mm. right? No, not familiar. <laughs> <laughs> what if there's that, but it's the algae that's on the outside of the ship? Great. That it's like a like connected colony of algae and we can give it offerings and communicate with it. And if we have to clean something, we'd be like, I'm so sorry, I really have to clean it. But also we want to make friends with this. And what if under the right lighting it glows? I like that. Like when the moon is full... And it's like a blood moon or a strawberry moon, like when it's closer. Yes. Or I was thinking the same thing, Brandon, of like after, you know, seven days of strong moonlight in a row, mm -hmm. it'll glow for a day. But we can also like park in the shade if we need to, mm -hmm. you know, and like not let that happen for strategic reasons. Yes. Cool. Why did you laugh, Julia, at park in the shade? <laughs> yeah, park in the shade is very funny to me. <laughs> yeah, you don't want your boat to get too hot, so you put one of those reflectors across the front. Yeah, yeah. you got to roll your window down a little bit. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I left a Snickers in the in the boat. Shit. Don't leave your dog in the boat. <laughs> if, if they're hot, if they're you're hot. If they're hot, you're hot. If you're hot, they're hot. Except instead of a dog, it's a pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> scurvy. It's a little pineapple that runs around. Oh, fuck. Okay, that's wonderful. Let's go on to set three, the work so far. This is going to be everything that maybe you've built that is extra. This is like the, growing from level zero to level one. Uh, let's go one to the right. So Brandon starts. Brandon starts, then me, and then Amanda, and then Julia. Four. Four. You all decide that the best defense is a good offense. What defense have you set up? Or you all decide that your health and comfort come first. What have you built that makes you all more vital or spry or hail? Hot springs, hot springs, hot springs. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I do fucking love that, Julia. Hot springs. Hot springs. I mean, hot but if, if Cam goes in the hot springs, is it just tea springs at that point? Who can say? <laughs> Not if it's like their roots or anything, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I love that. Is that just soup, though? <laughs> it's fine, man. We're all just opening up our plant spores. <laughs> Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. It's fine. That's what I've always said. It's also probably got a lot of, like, nutrients and minerals and stuff that we as plants need. Yeah. I love that. Cool. Maybe it's, like, not only a hot spring, but it's a hot spring that is in the area where the sun shines. Yeah. And so we get like sunshine and this nutrient rich water. Um, and it's sort of in the middle, so everyone can kind of gather around it, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it in our personal like zone of the base or in the base as a like shared resource? I imagine it. I mean, you tell me what you think, but I imagine it as sort of like a shared thing. Yeah. Yeah. In my head, this was also up high. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was closer to the top of the mm. volcano, especially because Amanda put the steps in there. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's up high. So it is a communal resource, but it is like I secluded, I guess. Yeah. What if it's like, I love that. What if it's because the best time to go into a hot tub is when it's snowing. So what if it's, yeah, up in the area where the fog is, like the cloud is. But then like because the sunlight hits it, just that area breaks from the fog. And then so you get to hit sit in the, in the hot spring, get some sunlight, but be surrounded by this really pretty fog. Sick. 
Wonderful. Very I cool. like that. Yeah, because if this is a salty sea, the rainwater could be making like the tide pool mm. versus a like geothermal hot spring with like groundwater. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's probably still like lava somewhere. Mm. So like I think that's possible. Anything we want to do, it's a fantasy world. What are Gerald Tolkien just made up shit? Let's make shit up too. Yeah. Okay. There's ants, you know? Like, fuck. Yeah. But all of our wives are gone. We lost them. <laughs> Weird. They've they've made a lesbian commune. Huh. My beard is of grass. I have a big grass beard. Uh, all right, yes. Hot Springs of High. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine an ant named Grass Goatee. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm a roll. Oh, here we go. Someone has washed ashore. What is their particular set of skills? Why are they not as good at that skill now? Mm. Is this just Gulliver from Animal Crossing? It could be anybody. It could be anybody. Gulliver is the like toucan guy that washes on shore, and I have to go digging in the sand for his communicator. Oh, really? That's very funny. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you. I wasn't I sure. <laughs> um, this could be the restaurant guy that we said before. This could be someone else. But the restaurant guy is good. Mm. Yeah, he's not he's, appreciated. That's true. He's just not appreciated. Yeah, I wonder if there's someone like very specific, something that you would need. Maybe like here, here's one. Maybe a like fashion designer from the vertical, like the cities. And now someone's mostly like, "Can you give me a hundred pockets?" Or can I store my bow in my pants? Just like wild engineering questions, or, like repairing a tattered sweater that's somebody's favorite, and he's like. I'll do my best. Yeah. I really like good. that. That's very sweet. That's funny. Uh, I was also thinking of Doctor with Amnesia. That could be good too. <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> he washed up there like, how'd you survive the monster? And he's like, uh, I don't monster? I don't know. What? <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? I do love this idea that there's some kind of craftsperson or, or service person where like they think that they're really good at their job and they're not. They're fucking bad at it. But everyone loves them because they're so like nice and charismatic. So they buy their services or whatever anyway. It's just yeah. a guy with a yeah. French accent. <laughs> Inexplicably. Oh, oh, oh. We're, we all assume that they're good at doing tailoring because yeah. they have a yeah. French accent. And every time we get clothing from them, it's just like, it looks like bags. The pockets of trapezoid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the same cloak every time. <laughs> <laughs> but they're very good at making that one cloak. Yeah. Or I was thinking, too, like somebody who maybe was an artist, or like a tapestry weaver, and now they know like three kinds of knots, and everyone's like, okay, like I know how to do this knot better, but like let's support Jerpathy. <laughs> I'm writing down a French eggplant who does fashion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's an aubergine, baby. Yeah. Brandon, I, that's his, his name, name Brandon. That's his name is aubergine. That's why I was, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that. Who does fashion? Also has amnesia. <laughs> why? Why not? Just because. Just that's why they make the same cloak over and over again. Julia. Yeah, because they forgot. They know that they were a fashion, but now they have no idea. Uh, wonderful. All right, who's next? It's me, and then Julia. Six. Six. Nice. First six. Ah, uh, here we go. The base has something new that's purely for entertainment. What is it, and where'd you get it? Ooh. <laughs> when you said entertainment, I thought of, like, a theater troupe, which is bad, because that means we stole a theater troupe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Julia, my first thought was puppets. <laughs> Puppet company. We just stole Geppetto. Yep. I do like it a lot. <laughs> 
I don't want. I don't want any other options. Everybody donates their old socks to the puppeteers. No notes. He, uh, okay. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> Eric has some notes. I, notes. Write it down. <laughs> I just want to say. I just want to say. When I wrote this down, I would be like, you know, maybe I'll get into golf <laughs> or or a, or a frisbee. It's a it's a boat, but it's a mini golf course. <laughs> That's real floating mini golf in the cove. That's pretty funny. I just thought it was. Fu- I thought I was thinking of an item, but I love the first thing you went to was we stole. A puppeteer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's a boat. What do you want from me? <laughs> but also a boat that we turned into a mini golf course is also very funny. Well, what if it was a boat that like crashed up on the bay or whatever it is, and then like it had a chest full of puppets, and we didn't know what to do with the boat because it wasn't seaworthy anymore. So we made it into like a little entertainment zone where there's a puppet show yeah. and a mini golf course. Can yeah. we have both, Eric? Eric, can we have mini golf and puppets? please the only thing that would let you do it is if you get no extra people that's what i'm saying is like i thought i was thinking item and you all immediately went to we stole a theater troupe <laughs> 10 people now live here and they all know how to do monologues eric come on the the theater is for night it's golf during the day puppets at night okay. come on eric come, come on. on obviously come on. you know you were born yesterday you remember uh, puppets at night sailors take warning <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm going to say entertain. I'm going to go with entertainment zone. <laughs> what is what is the thing called in Disney where you can drink on it? Pleasure Island? Oh, yeah. It doesn't exist anymore, but yes. It's a pleasure barge. Basically. Yeah, it's a pleasure barge. The not, enter- the entertainment not for sex, zone. only for sport and art. <laughs> it's the entertainment You know, when zone. I was a kid, I did think everyone was just fucking on that Disney Island thing, so. <laughs> oh, me too. Oh, man. I don't they called gr- it Pleasure Island. What I do they know. expect? I want to grow up and go to the sex club at yeah. Disney. There was famously a lot of teen clubs, so there probably were people having sex on oh, that 100%. island. Oh, 100%. Is there an 18 plus club in this island? I just want to be really <laughs> <laughs> No. No. Oh, Eric, if you're old enough to sail, you're old enough to do whatever the fuck you want. Oh if you're God. an 18 year old bug or plant, you're nearly dead. <laughs> it's true. You're so umby. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. All right. I'm going. Let me go back to the original thing. If you want a puppet, you can have a guy who is a puppeteer if you want. But if you want a bunch of random fun shit, you'd have it to be stuff. I don't think we kidnapped anyone. I think there's just a trunk full of puppets that washed up and people took to it, you know? Did one of us learn shadow puppeteering? <laughs> Is that what happened? I really, I really like trunk full of puppets. Is very funny. (laughs) I don't want to kidnap people unless I have to. Okay, or it's a parrot. I will kidnap a parrot. We're pirates. We should be allowed to kidnap people without consequence. (laughs) Listen, I think it's self serve. I think you know sometimes people put together a puppet show and everyone's really proud of them and goes to support them. Sometimes you know you stop by with your buds and you do the mini golf and you return you know the golf clubs and stuff to the place. No, we're not doing mini golf. We're just doing trunk of puppets. (laughs) No, why can't we do both? Okay, fine. Golf during the day, puppets at night. Okay. Golf during the day, puppets at night. All right. Jesus Enter- it's not like we're getting any bonuses for puppets during the day. <laughs> Golf during the day, puppets at night. Okay. Sounds how clubs out, baby. It's not like we're getting like plus one to protection on the base by having both, Eric. Let us know. No, have it's both. true. No, it's fine. No, you're you're very you're very correct. Uh Wait. Sorry, Amanda's writing down sun's out, club's out. I yep. did. And then <laughs> yep. I'm saying sun sleeping. No, sun's asleep. Puppets do peep. Puppets do peep. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What is happening? We have one more question. Shit. Let's do it. Oh, we have shit. One more question. Can somebody roll? 
two. A two. Something beloved continues to fall into disrepair. Oh, no. What is it, and why can't you repair it? It's the entertainment zone. Oh, no. It's not the entertainment <laughs> zone. It's, this would be something basic that has a drawback on it. Unfortunately, this you only had a one in six chance to roll this. There is going to be something that's falling apart. Okay. And it can't be Umby. <laughs> it's not Umby, no. I'm trying to think of like a beloved thing in like any sort of town. Amanda, you're you're the town builder game player here. What's a beloved thing that often is in one of those games? Uh, yeah, there's often like a a town square with like a statue or a clock or um, a fountain, some amount of public space. Oh, a clock is good. I imagine something was was like erected when the people like first came here, like fifty years ago, whatever it is. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I, a clock is very cool. It gives me big Back to the Future vibes, and it just doesn't work. Because there's constantly seawater and all of the gears. Seawater corrodes metal so fast. So I love the idea, Julia, that the clock has not functioned for years, but we're so sentimentally tied to it that even though it's like rusty and decaying and when the breeze is too strong, (laughs) you get like a face full of rust. It's still a thing that we all love. I also really like the idea that it's someone's mission to constantly be trying to steal parts (laughs) for it and try to repair Mm. it. And it just lasts two weeks and then everything's rotted out again. I, I mean, it. if you're new, the clock is really important to know when you need to avoid the cove. And yes, the rest exactly. of us just get, learn it in our bones. That's great. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking of is that like so much of pirating and what you've kind of put out is coded. You just file, you need to know the rhythms of everything. And the clock is supposed to tie everything together, right? Like a, a quote unquote government time or a or a standard military time is you know that's why clocks and fucking time zones exist right and the fact that you are not on any sort of time is kind of bad but then again not it's is bad only as it divorces you from quote unquote society the narcs yeah yeah exactly so i think that that could be really that's actually very very interesting I just had a thought, which was instead of having circadian rhythms, because again, we're not, you know, humanoids or anything. Crustacean rhythms. I was going to say circadian rhythms. I yeah. thought, uh, Julia, I thought, I'm like, why would you say that? It's already cicadas. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Glad we're all on the same page. So yeah. we, we only sleep once every 17 years. <laughs> and for a long time. Yeah, I mean, there, there's really something. I remember I had a professor who, like, said, you know, your body kind of just, like, understands stuff. If you, you go long enough without an alarm, you will start waking up at the same time. And it's true. I do that now. I wake up at pretty much the same time every day. Uh, and I haven't set an alarm for years. So I think that, like, there's something here which is very interesting about not having a clock. And if someone official tries to tell you to do something, you're like, uh... uh can you tell me what that means on the tide <laughs> instead of a time? Is uh, that high tide or is it low tide? How does or, that have to yeah. work with your giant crab that <laughs> eats? What, How what, many what? hours after the giant crab eats is that? Yeah. yeah. I was just kicking around feeding time as a, a sort of shorthand for the, the no-go zone in the cove, which could be fun. That's very mm-hmm. cool. I love that. I think that... Okay, I don't want to kidnap, but I do want to be a pirate. So I think maybe the like uh, (laughs) initiation (laughs) is like, yeah, when the clock strikes four o'clock, that's when it's best to leave. And that's just feeding time. And if they don't figure that out, then (laughs) they just get eaten by the crap. That's pretty good. That's good stuff. 
How else are you supposed to know someone's seaworthy if you're not going to haze them with a water monster? Like, exactly, what else are you supposed exactly. to do? Exactly. What are you doing? Got to be crusty somehow. Yeah. I like this a lot. There's some really interesting stuff that we didn't get to, but you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. I think it's cool. I was kicking around some name ideas, and I wonder if this sets Please. off anything in anybody, but the idea there's a mushroom company called Small Hold that <laughs> sells mushrooms in a lot of the places that we shop. But like a stronghold, something along those lines, I think could be interesting as, you know, a place that is protected and secure, but also you kind of need to know how to get in it to get in. Small hold is cool. I like something hold. I know. I was thinking big hold or but that doesn't sound good. <laughs> we got a big hole in the big hold. <laughs> stone stone hold. It's not bad. Volcano hold. That's Volcano. Lava, yeah. hole, lava holds. <laughs> I, regardless, I do like that at least colloquially, colloquially, <laughs> we call it the big top, though. I, I Listen, if you're going to call it a nickname, you might as well, you might as well name, just it, yeah. name, you name it that. I also just like the hold. The hold's good. The hold mm. is good. I mean, that's piratey as fuck. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like the hold. The hold is like the secure place where you put the loot. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably how it started before we started like living here. It was just this is the place where we dropped off the excess loot so no one could find it. Yeah. I really like the hold. I think, I think it's good. good. That's why it's cluttered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then does anyone have any ship names? I still like the idea that you wrote something over something else. The Chloroblast. <laughs> no. So I don't want, I think that like the old one was probably pretty stuffy or official. You know, we we haven't talked about like your, your history or why maybe we'll get into it at some point about why all of you came together, how long you've been doing this, blah, blah, blah. But I, I like the idea that like in the beginning of this, before like the big pirate explosion, the only people that were doing the the infinite lake challenge and trying to get the wish from the magical salmon were the governments to start with. So I think that like if this is an old ship or weathered, regardless of if it looked as such, it, like if something that was a, that looked like this had to be official to start with. So like the old name was probably very official, and then you named it something like cool but casual and slapdash maybe. May I suggest something? Yes. Which is there is a plant that is called the water wheel and it is basically an aquatic Venus flytrap. That's Fuck. cool. I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say maybe it's named after the algae that is on it. Harold. Well, I, there's like dead man's fingers is a cool one. Kombu is fun. I think the name of a ship has to sound good without an article in front of it. And so when I'm saying, like, you know, we'll see you on Waterwheel or, well, you know, I'll meet you back at Waterwheel, it has gravitas to it that I really appreciate. I'm into it. Yeah. I like water. I like Waterwheel. I think that's cool. Unless there's a really tight algae. Also, the algae's name is Harold. There's also another one that's called <laughs> the Sea Whip. Yeah, I saw that. Or the Bull Whip. Which is a type of coral. Yeah. We're probably on the same page right now, Brandon. Mm -hmm. Did you say it was called the Cool Whip? No, it's called the Sea Whip. Oh, the Wireweed is also cool. That is neat. Oh, these are, hold on, these are the scientific names. Hey, do you want to call the ship Fucuseratus? Yes. <laughs> I think both Waterwheel and Sea Whip are very cool and are also plant references, which is dope. Oh, fuck, I really like Waterwheel. I think that makes sense. Hey, my cousin was a Waterwheel. Uh, it also had me singing Darius Rucker's Rag and Wheel constantly. There you go. <laughs> I do like Sea Whip, I think, better than Waterwheel, personally, but uh, either's fine. I, I'm in for Sea Whip. Yeah, I, cool. let's do Sea Whip. Sea Whip is cool. It's the cool whip. Do the Sea Whip. Because Sea Whip not only is evocative of like a fast-moving, cool ship, but also is a 
a sea plant. So mm-hmm. yeah, Ooh, yeah, the sea, it's really the, pretty. The sea whip also sounds like a fucking pirate ship. Yeah, yeah, like it sounds more like it. the water wheel sounds like a a fucking Louisiana boat you can gamble on. <laughs> fair. And actually, fair. you know what? The color of sea whip reminds me of the during the party campaign one pinkish red. Oh, so. that's cool. I'm into it. Love it. I put an exclamation point next to Sea Whip. Yeah. Sea Whip. All right. Would you like to review the stuff that we did today? Sure. sure. Cool. All right. The adjectives we've chosen are cluttered, freewheeling, and veiled for our secret base. Uh, this is part of a hollowed out volcano. You pass through a cove. This kind of, Maybe there's a commune or some other folks who are in there. Uh, but there's just some stuff for the permanent residents as well uh, that you have all built. Uh, for the space, the sea around the island, Julia said that it was coved and it had a hidden reef. It was opaque and kelpy or kelpish. <laughs> for me, what makes it hard to sleep? Well, the water crab monster that lives in the kelp feeds at an hour before dawn and then sleeps for 90 minutes afterward, which is very important if you're going in and out. <laughs> What landscape feature is the base integrated with? There's a Amanda said there's a hue array of elevation, tiered platforms for growing produce and for hanging out. Kind of like the center is the middle, and then he goes down and up. And Brandon wanted our the person who does the cooking is a Noma style, high class, incredible uh, five star chef. But it is way too unnecessary. No one knows what the hell that they're doing, uh, which is very funny. And we have Outback Steakhouse as the name of the restaurant. Potentially. Oh my God. Uh, no, that's definitely what it is. I like all it. Right. I like it a lot because it's out back of all of the buildings. Yep. <laughs> For the boat, which we've now named the Sea Whip, uh, our boat has unusual coloring in that it is distressed and abandoned, and it seems distressed and abandoned. Uh, the weapon we've invested in the boat is a rusty knife ram below the waterline for <laughs> ramming into other boats. Something lives on the boat, which is the algae on the outside that was put together to make it look worse. And his name is Harold, and he glows under the right light. Um, the most dangerous part of the boat is the proper documentation in the captain's chest <laughs> because this was sec- quote unquote second hand, and you've all put together a do- ghost story to keep people away from it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And finally, the work so far, the things that you are all starting with. Something beloved is falling into repair. That is the big clock that was put on the island as kind of like the first uh, settlement there, but the metal is rusting and the clock doesn't work because it's right in the middle of the seawater. Someone has washed ashore. That was a French eggplant named Aubergine who is into fashion but also has amnesia. So we don't know if he's actually into fashion. <laughs> if, he's just, if he just has a French accent. Your health and comfort comes first. So you've, uh, you, there are hot springs to make you more vital, which is all the way up high. Uh, and finally, the base is something new that's purely for entertainment. There's golf during the day and puppet shows at night. Sure is. Oh, God. And we have come up with our secret base. And we called it The Hold. Sun's asleep. Puppets do peep. <laughs> Sun's out. Club's out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> puppets at night. Sailor's delight. <laughs> puppets in morning. I hate it. Sailors take warning. <laughs> Put it away. Sailors take warning, baby. Take warning. They're puppet people. Put that away. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. All right. I think that we have all we need to uh, start playing campaign three. Yay! I love it. Let's do it. You salty sea dogs. Arr. Right now. Arr. No. I don't. I, Brandon, we're recording for like 100 minutes. We have to go. Go to the next episode. Your podcast player is probably already there. It's not there. Don't it's look. It's not there.
Oh, hey, we're here at Camp 8-3. We're all pants. Uh, let's see what happens. <laughs>